Welcome to the Family Worship Companion, supplementing your personal reading of Scripture with a Christ-centered emphasis and real-life application for every member of the family. Have you ever had to wait a long time for something? Such an experience can at times leave a very vivid mark upon our memory. Genesis 21 brings to us the record, eventually, it would seem, of the birth of Isaac. It also gives to us the casting out of Ishmael and Abraham's covenant with Abimelech. So let's dive deeper. The opening seven verses record the birth of the long-awaited son. God did as he promised, and Abraham does as he was commanded circumcising Isaac on the eighth day. Note how in verse 2 and 7 there's an emphasis upon Abraham's old age. The reason for this is to underline the miraculous nature of what has taken place. The child is given the name that was designated Isaac, meaning one who rejoices or laughter, and Sarah reflects that that is her experience, that she is one filled with laughter and with joy. Fast forward a few years and in verses 8 through 21, we're given the record of Isaac being weaned. There's a celebration here and perhaps he is eating certain solids for the first time and is most likely, as would have been the case in those days, around three years of age. While most no doubt are rejoicing, one is not. Ishmael, rather than enter into the celebration, is mocking. And that may not give the full picture The sense really is that he is being hostile, he is being envious, there is great jealousy here as he looks upon Isaac. Now keep in mind that Ishmael's probably around 16, Isaac's around 3, and really there's a form of bullying. So if you can visualize a 16-year-old bullying a 3-year-old, that's really what's going on here. Now this matter comes up in Galatians chapter 4 in the New Testament where certain Jews are persecuting Gentile Christians. They cannot recognize the religion of the Christians without certain Jewish practices. And so really what develops there, and the argument is that one religion is of the flesh, it's of works, the other is of the spirit, it's all of grace. And Ishmael is depicted as being of the Jews who are are encouraging this works-type salvation and Isaac is reflecting the Gentiles who are depending all on the grace of God. And the argument of the apostle is, cast, cast out Ishmael, remove those that are bringing in this false religion. And so this is why in the narrative, Sarah's request to get rid of Ishmael is affirmed by God. It's really a gospel issue. And so from verse 14 through 21, the details are given of Abraham sending Hagar and Ishmael away. He gives them provisions, God takes care of them, and eventually Ishmael grows up into an archer and his mother finds for him a wife among the Egyptians just like her. From verse 22 through 32, we are given insight into Abraham's general influence upon the area where he was living. Given the disastrous first impression that Abraham had made before Abimelech, time has passed and by the grace of God, Abraham has established a reputation as a godly man. In fact, we see that Abimelech sees in Abraham something that is seen later in the likes of Joseph 
that God is with thee in all that thou doest, verse 22 says. So he has a very strong testimony. And so the two men enter into a kind of agreement. However, Abraham brings up a matter, something that had happened previously. Uh, some of Abimelech's men had come and hijacked a well that belonged to Abraham. And Abraham, whereas formerly he feared Abimelech, now has the courage and the boldness and a sense of confidence before God and men to bring this matter up and point out the error. It's important to remember that wells were highly prized and as people would pass, it would become a lucrative part of Abraham's business as men would need water on their journeys. And in the final two verses, Abraham plants a grove and makes it a place where he worships God. And we have a new title for God that is revealed to him where he refers to him as the everlasting God or the God of eternity. And so we come to application one. We must learn that living by faith is refusing to assess God's promises by what we can see. God fulfilled all his promises concerning Isaac despite every appearance of impossibility. And note in the first two verses how it emphasizes God spoke and fulfilled what he had spoken. Later, in verses 13 and 18, it will also be emphasized that God will fulfill his intention toward Ishmael, making of him a nation. Basically, it is underlining God will always fulfill his word. And we must take that to heart and walk by faith and not by sight. Two, we need a lot of wisdom when dealing with rebellious older children. I wouldn't take Abraham's action here toward Ishmael as a policy for all rebellious children. Obviously, there are different factors, how much rebellion, what age, who else is in the home, what's happening. There are all sorts of factors, but it, it does underline, and I'll simply leave you with this, the fact that we must always put the honor of God and his gospel ahead of even family ties. Simply pray that you're never in this position. Three, just because someone has given you bad counsel in the past doesn't mean to say you get to write off all their counsel in the future. Sarah admittedly had given bad advice to Abraham in encouraging him to take Hagar, but on this occasion she speaks as the mouthpiece of God. She knows the mind and will of God. And so let's just take that to heart. Sometimes people are wrong. Sometimes they are right. Let us assess very carefully what they're saying. Four, once again, we see Abraham displaying the qualities of an elder. In the past, we saw it in relation to hospitality. Here it is in his testimony before the world. Paul encourages the elder that he must have a good report of them which are without. So brother, take this to heart. Uh, if you're known as a cranky Christian, it's not because people are being cruel. It's probably because you're a cranky Christian and you need to repent. Now, yes, the world is hostile, but don't hide under the scriptures that deal with the hatred of the world and then act like at times we're not guilty of encouraging them to hate us or despise us. Work hard for them to be jealous of our faith and of our favor before God. Five, the more we mature as believers, the more I think we become impressed by the whole concept of eternity. And we begin to realize that we must shape how we live now in light of the reality of eternity. 
That's what seems to be happening as Abraham matures in his faith, and the revelation that God is also the God of eternity in addition to the other titles that he has referred to him by seems to press this upon us. Here is a man maturing and he's beginning to think of his life in light of eternity. We too must take that to heart. 6. The gospel of grace must be defended. The apostle Paul said that he was set for the defense of the gospel. In this passage, Ishmael conveys this idea that he has a right to the benefits and blessings of of being of the seed of Abraham. He's looking on thinking, I have a right to the inheritance by means of the flesh, but he doesn't. And here we then see the importance of fighting for the gospel of free grace. And we must, as Paul puts it in Galatians 5 verse 1, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's that's fighting language. Stand and fight off, resist any works religion that tries to press in. Finally, the chapter foreshadows much relating to the Messiah's birth, the fulfillment of the promise, the timing of it according to God's appointment, the uh, miracle of it, the joy of it. Really, Sarah foreshadows Mary, who rejoiced in God her Savior. And you find the same thing here, the joy of God fulfilling his word and it all foreshadowing the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here is where I end with a word for the children. Children, you love to laugh and we should all enjoy laughter for the right reasons. And I'm going to tell you, you will never have any laughter like the laughter of knowing your sins are forgiven. Sarah here is rejoicing in God fulfilling his word and she has been made to laugh. My question to you is, do you have this joy? Jesus says, don't rejoice in success that the devils are subject to you. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, boys and girls, can you say that your name is written in heaven? If not, why not? If not, Maybe you should talk to mom or dad about it. Because when you come to Christ and you trust him, he gives you a joy, a laughter that can never be taken away.